0: Our text this afternoon is the word of God as summarized and confessed in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 51. Let's read that now. What is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions nor the evil which still clings to us, as we also find this evidence of your grace in us, that we are fully determined wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. Thank you, Brother Sloan. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as I look out into the congregation this afternoon, I see a lot of people who are in debt, financial debt. In fact, as of this past Thursday, nearly, and I would say actually, every single, probably every single person in this church has a debt of precisely $30,474.01. Now, what gives me the boldness to say such a thing? Have I checked your credit card statement or your online bank account? Well, I haven't done any of those things. But well, while I was preparing for this sermon and going over it this past Thursday, I visited a website called DebtClock.ca. DebtClock.ca. What is that? Well, DebtClock.ca is a website that keeps a running total of Canada's federal debt. It has a few meters, like kind of like an odometer on a car. You can see Canada's debt slowly or quickly going upward. On that website, you can watch Canada's debt rise about $5,000 every second, over $17 million per hour, and over $424 million every day. Pretty stunning. And when I checked the debt clock this week, the total federal, federal debt was at $1.1 trillion and change. As, are we as a nation ever going to get rid of our debts? I highly doubt it. But federal debts aside, we have another debt problem in our lives too. And actually this one, believe it or not, it's a much bigger deal than that giant federal debt. We are in debt to God. Daily we sin against God and so daily we increase our debt. Imagine there was a website you could go to To show your own personal rising debt with God. I see your debt steadily climb every day and every hour like the federal debt of Canada. Of course, that's bad news for everyone on earth. Because one day there's going to be a day of reckoning. God is going to bring us before his throne as a king and tell us time to pay up. Time to pay for all of your sins and your debts. See there are consequences for having a debt before God. Well, oftentimes people in this world they, they don't really think there's consequences financial, for financial debt, well there are. But there are even greater consequences having a debt with God. If you can't pay your debts, you'll be punished. And the problem is that none of us can pay. None of us can pay for our debts, and that's the bad news. But, of course, the Bible doesn't stop there. We also have good news. And the good news is also found here in the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Lord Jesus himself teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so this afternoon I'll be preaching you God's word under the following theme and points. In the fifth petition, we pray that God would forgive us all of our debts. we'll look at two main things. First of all, the forgiveness we receive from God. And second, the forgiveness we extend to others. So, Lord's A 51 explains the fifth petition in this way. Uh, When we ask this petition, we are asking, For the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us. Notice, first of all, the humility of this prayer, the humility of this prayer. As we pray for God to forgive our sins, we first acknowledge who we are. And in and of ourselves, if we were just... Us on our own, yes, we are wretched sinners in and of ourselves. We can't hide the fact that evil still clings to us as well. Nor can we try and cover up our debts by our good works. Perhaps as you read the Catechism's, catechism's answer here, you might not like that term, wretched sinners. It sounds pretty negative after all, but, but what can we do but acknowledge the truth in and of ourselves? We don't have any claims before God. We can't negotiate our sins away. All we can do at the end of the day is beg for mercy to God to forgive us all of our debts. You know, the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, it teaches this so clearly. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And one man was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. And this was an enormous amount of money. Scholars estimate that in today's terms, that would be a debt of about $6 billion. You thought your share of the federal debt was high. but $6 billion was this man's debt. The Lord Jesus puts the man's debt at an astronomically high amount. By doing this, Christ is showing us the incredibly high debt we have before God because of our sins. You see, in describing this man, this servant who came before the king, owed 10,000 talents, the Lord Jesus is not simply describing people like Hitler who did atrocious things. No, he's teaching us we all have this debt before God. Apostle Peter had this debt who, who was the uh, catalyst for this parable. And he asked, how many times should I forgive uh, someone who sins against me? And the Lord Jesus told this parable to include also Peter. Yes, Peter, you, and, you have this debt before God. So do we. That's why the Catechism calls us wretched sinners. By describing the debt of the servant in this way, Christ wants to to teach us something important. That our only hope of getting out of debt with God is to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves. There's no way you can hide behind your good works. Your debt is going to be greater. In the parable, the man pleaded with his master. He said, be patient with me. I will pay back all That I owe. We know that was a completely useless plea. We know the man, he had no hope of paying back that enormous debt. And we know deep down that we cannot repay God. So that is our situation before God. Our debt is too high, so we must acknowledge our debt plea for mercy from God, seek his forgiveness for the sake of Christ's blood. As we pray this petition, let's first of all acknowledge our sins, seeking forgiveness through, through Jesus' blood. Now this petition is not only a humble petition, it is at the same time a bold petition, a bold petition. Think for a moment of the massive debt we have before God, also as described in this parable. When we pray this prayer to God, we are praying to God, Lord, I know my debt is astronomically high, but please just cancel it, wipe it away. Maybe we pray this petition so often we we forget how bold it it actually is. Imagine one day you were to walk into the bank You ask to speak to the bank manager. Then as you sit down with the manager, you ask him, I would like you to to cancel my mortgage. I'll just pay it off. Let it go. Forget about it. Cancel it completely. Oh, what a bold request that would be. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, well, that'd be nice, but I know it's never going to happen. What if you think about it? We're doing something far greater, far bolder than that when we ask God to forgive us our debts. You know, this isn't just a bank manager we're coming before, talking about a house. We're coming before the almighty God of the universe and we have rebelled against him. We have sinned against that God and we have the boldness to ask him to freely forgive our sins. The beautiful thing is, that's just what the Lord Jesus teaches us to do. Come before the God of gods, the King of kin, kings, and boldly ask in humility for Him to forgive our sins. So Christ Himself gives us the confidence and the boldness to pray this petition. And so this petition is both a humble petition and a bold petition, but it's also something else. It's also an expectant petition, if I could put it that way. You know, when we realize our sins, and when we realize we don't for, uh, deserve forgiveness, and when we also realize the boldness of this request it could perhaps uh, bring up a danger for us. There may be the danger that we doubt that God will hear this petition. You know, we might begin to lose heart that our debts uh, won't be taken care of, that God will hold them against us. Maybe we begin to ask ourselves, you know, is God really going to forgive my sins? Right, the things... Sinful things I have done? It's gonna really get rid of that debt. Isn't my sin too great? <clears throat> is God going to ever see me as anything more than, than just a wretched sinner? Take heart. This is also an expectant petition. First John 5 verse 14 says, if we ask anything. According to God's will, He hears us. We can be absolutely sure that this fifth petition is according to God's will. After all, God the Son Himself taught it to us. And so as we ask in faith, we know this is according to God's will because God Himself taught us to pray like this. He will hear us. For Christ's sake. This is something the parable of the unmerciful servant teaches us again. Know The Lord Jesus specifically set up the story to highlight the mercy of the master. The servant owed the master 10,000 talents. When the master saw him there on his knees begging for mercy, he didn't harden his heart. He didn't continue to hold out the man's debts before him. He took pity on him. He canceled his entire debt in a moment. This astronomically high amount of debt. Gone. You know, he didn't even say to him, you know what, just just pay me $1,000 and we'll call it good. No, he, he canceled it completely. He didn't even... Ask for one single penny. And this is not simply, of course, the mercy of some nameless master out in the world. Why is the Lord Jesus teaching us this parable? Because he's describing the mercy of our God. He's teaching us what our Father in heaven is like. You know, this parable is often referred to as the parable of the unmerciful servant. Maybe you have a heading like that in your Bible above this passage. What it could easily be titled, the parable of the merciful master. Sad is our God, rich in mercy, delights in showing forgiveness. And through Christ's blood, He forgives our every sin. Remember what Christ told Peter right before this parable. Told Peter, uh, Peter asked, "You know, shall I forgive my brother uh, seven times?" Christ said, "Not just seven times, but seventy-seven times, <coughs> meaning every time." And why does the Lord Jesus also say that? Because it's the same standard God holds for Himself. See, if He expects that forgiveness from us, we can be sure that He also forgives in the same way. He extends that forgiveness to us through faith in the cross of Christ His Son. So as you pray this petition, (coughs) pray with humility, pray with boldness, pray also in faith, pray expectantly, you pour out your heart to him, acknowledging your sins, as you ask him to forgive you based on the blood of Christ, he will forgive you. He will. You can open up your eyes after your prayer. Be assured that your sins are forgiven. Brings us to our second point. So on the fifth petition in teaches us about the forgiveness we receive from God, but it also teaches us about the forgiveness we extend to other people. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here the Lord Jesus, he connects God's forgiveness of us with our forgiveness of others. So certainly it shows the importance of extending forgiveness to other people. But when we read these words from our Lord Jesus, we might wonder, how is God's con- uh, forgiveness connected to ours? Uh, surely we don't uh, earn God's forgiveness by our own uh, forgiveness, do we? And the answer is no. And Lord's Day 51 puts it in a, a beautiful way. For the sake of Christ's blood, do not impute to us wretched sinners any of our transgressions nor the evil which still clings to us, as we also find This evidence of your grace in us. That we are fully determined wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbor. See, we receive forgiveness from God by his grace. And that's what also the parable of the unmerciful servant was all about. It was free. And that grace that we have received, it will change us. It will change us. It's that very grace we've received that gives us the power to forgive those who sin against us. It doesn't mean we earn forgiveness of our sins by forgiving others. But as, I like how uh, Kevin DeYoung put it, he said, a black, stony, unforgiving heart is evidence of a heart that has never truly experienced God's forgiveness. So forgiveness is of utmost importance for us we should, first of all, recognize the foolishness of not extending forgiveness to those who have sinned and asked for forgiveness from us. You know, how could we not freely forgive someone's sins against us when they come to us asking for forgiveness? When our huge debt of sin before God was canceled completely by His grace. We see that in the parable of two. You can see that the foolishness of this servant instantly. Here he is before his master, on his knees, pleading with him. His life hangs in the balance, and his master freely cancels it. Shortly afterward, going out from the presence of his master, he meets a fellow servant who owes him a hundred denarii, begins to choke the man, demanding he pay it back. Of course, when his fellow servant pleaded with him to be patient, then he refused. Had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back all that he owed. You know, when you read that, it's hard not to respond. How foolish. How could you do such a thing? Have you completely forgotten the mercy, the great mercy you just received from the king? Of course, it's easy to see someone else's folly, but it's not always easy to see our own. Sometimes we very well might be that unmerciful servant. Well, the parable is there to correct our vision when we might be tempted to refuse to extend forgiveness to others. Now, what happened to that unmerciful servant who refused to extend forgiveness to his fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii? While the other servants heard about it, they were greatly distressed. They went and told the master what happened. The master called an unforgiving servant before him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. Jesus then adds, So also my Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a pretty clear message from our Lord Jesus about the importance of extending forgiveness as we have been forgiven by God. If we refuse, how can we expect God to forgive us our debts? Now even... With these words of Christ from Matthew 18, you know, it still can be difficult at times to forgive those who ask for forgiveness from us. And maybe you're struggling with that right now in your own life. And we might struggle to forgive because when people sin against us, yeah, it can hurt deeply. Deeply. In the, in the parable, the, the, the one servant, owed the other servant, a hundred denarii, it says. And that, that's a few thousand dollars in our terms. This is not just a, a minuscule amount of money. And Jesus teaches us here by this that sometimes people can, can sin against us deeply. It wasn't just a... Uh, yeah, it was a substantial amount of money for this man. And indeed, people can hurt us badly. And perhaps some level of trust has been broken leaves a scar. At those times, we might struggle to forgive from the heart, even though people ask you for forgiveness. And perhaps that was also the reason why the disciple Peter asked his question at the beginning of our reading. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter's i trying to be very generous here. He gives a number of fullness as, as if to say seven times is quite a bit, isn't it? Is that perhaps the amount of times I should forgive my brother? But if you think about it in practical daily life, that seven times is actually quite a bit. Say someone were to sin against you somehow. You may feel really hurt by just one sin. They for- ask for forgiveness. Perhaps you extend it immediately. Well, what would happen if they sinned the same sin against you? If they ask for forgiveness, you may extend the forgiveness, but you might start to wonder. If they commit the same sin against you a third time and ask for forgiveness, what would you do? Well, perhaps you might say, well, I'll forgive them one more time, but enough's enough after this. This person isn't learning their lesson. So realize that in practical everyday life, Peter's question is actually quite generous from from our point of view, maybe. And Jesus then responds to Peter's question with a startling answer. Do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Saying every time. Now, we might struggle to extend this kind of forgiveness to people who ask us to forgive them. And truly, we can only do it by God's grace. What if we still struggle? What should we then do? Well, first of all, if someone has hurt you deeply, remember that forgiving someone doesn't mean necessarily putting yourself in a position where you could be harmed in any way. Right? That's not even wise at times. Keep that in mind. However, if we struggle to extend forgiveness, it's good to meditate on this parable a while. Remember the huge debt you had before God. Remember the sheer mercy he had on us, canceling our debts completely. Hold on to that. Bring it before your heart and your mind always. Remember also what would have happened to us if God did not mercifully cancel our debt. In the parable Jesus told, the master ordered that the servant be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had. The consequences of our debt is far greater than that. consequences of our debt are death and hell. You know, if it were not for God's mercy, that's where we would go. See, do we realize, do we really realize what we have been saved from? know the servant in the parable forgot the con- consequences of his own debt. He forgot that he was just about to be sold along with his wife and children. Then he had no problem sending his fellow servant to a similar fate that he just escaped. But If we understand the punishment we've been saved from, it will change us. Help us to extend mercy to others. Finally, to help us forgive, we should also keep in view the the benefits of the forgiveness we have received from God. Through God's forgiveness, we've not only escaped hell, but we will enjoy eternal life. We're receiving a glorious future with blessing and joy forever. And keeping that in view can help you to extend forgiveness to others also. Remember, when someone sins against you, it hurts deeply. It can feel like they've taken away part of your life. Part of your life here on earth. Part of the joy you might experience in life. And That's true. Sin does cause hurt. It does take away the joy in life. When the Lord calls us to forgive others, He's not calling us to deny that Sin causes pain. He's calling us to put our faith into action despite the pain we might feel. You know, when someone sins against you, it'd be tempting to not want to extend forgiveness because you might want because you want to take something away from them in return. Or you might not want them the the happiness of, of being forgiven. But if you do not forgive, you might you see if you do not forgive, you might be able to make them feel something of the pain that you felt. But remember, what you have through God's forgiving grace, you have eternal life. An eternal future of eternal joy is coming. It's free from every sin. No one will ever sin against you again. It's free from all hurt. It's free from all pain. Yes, when someone sins against us, it robs us some of the joy of this life. But we are receiving something far greater that will never end. When we trust that eternal joy is coming, then it frees us to forgive people in this life, even when we go through pain. So we have something far greater coming. We have not lost our lives. We have life coming. As we forgive those who ask us to forgive them, then it will only result in more joy for us. For it will be further evidence that we ourselves have received the forgiving grace of God. Amen.